This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. It's great to be with you guys this morning. So I want to share what, what I often do is when I don't know what to preach about, I ask my wife or my children. And uh, that ranges from very strange ideas to very good ones sometimes. And then somewhere in there, God will kind of give me a hint, you know. So uh, uh, if I ask my sons for a season, they just always want me to talk about the angel Michael. Whatever you do, just preach about the angel Michael. I'm like, there's not a big message on that. But okay, they're just really excited about him, you know, the soldier of the Lord, you know. So they like that. But anyway, so what I want to share with you uh, this morning is, is an interesting topic. And so it's not that much preaching, but it's a bit more of teaching. And uh, there's a footnote before I begin, all right? The unfortunate thing about this is there is no laying on of hands that's going to fix this in your life. I'm sorry. (laughs) I heard a big hush right now. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm going to have to work on this? Yes, you're going to have to work this out yourself, all right? But I do feel it's important. You know, I... I love the story of Jonah. I've preached on it here once, and uh, about two months ago, I was sitting in in, in bed one night before preaching again, because that's kind of what we do. I just said to Rion, um, I've learned in life my job is to wait until it's my turn to talk, and then we wait again until it's your turn, you know? And uh, I was just reading the story of Jonah again. He's just this fascinating character, isn't he? You know, um, and I love the last chapter of the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. And it's, you know, Jonah just basically had one of the biggest revivals in the Old Testament, right? There there were two major ones. This was by far probably the greatest one. A whole city got saved in, I don't know, in a two-line message, right? Literally from, you're going to look like Sodom and Gomorrah to, no, you're born again as a city, and they turned to God in, in, in crying out to Him. From being a city, I'm sorry for being graphic, but... Of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh were cruel beyond words. What they, did, they weren't a pleasant bunch of people. They weren't even just badly mannered. They were cruel. Like they would put fish hooks through their prisoners of war's mouths and drag them through the streets and, you know, like skin people and carry them through. But they were wicked. This is a wicked nation. Do you understand? They, they, they weren't nice. It's not like your neighbor that you dislike a little bit. They are evil, Right? And God uses, I mean, you know the whole story, and then Jonah eventually gets spit out of the fish's mouth after all his, you know, stubbornness, and, and finally he goes there, he, he does his two-minute message, the city gets born again. I would think he would be happy. Yeah, it's revival, right? That's an awesome thing. And then chapter four happens, and Jonah, he's a funny guy, he's so angry with God. He's like so angry, he's... And God is like, Jonah, what's wrong with you? And Jonah goes, listen, God, I I knew this is what you're going to do. I knew you're going to send me there, for you are merciful and kind and gracious, and your love endures forever. And I knew that if you sent me, you're going to forgive them. And it sucks. That's basically what he's doing. I'm reading this thing. I'm going to my wife. This guy's funny. (laughs) He's really funny. And then God is even funnier. I love Jonah 4, verse 4. And God looks at him, and he, (laughs) I find it funny. He looks at Jonah, and he goes, so Jonah, do you do well to be angry like this? Right? And I find that funny. I started laughing. And then 
that line started knocking at the heart of, at my heart and at my spirit. And it is like this question just keep going through my mind and my heart. It's like, it's like God's standing in front of each and every one of us, and He goes, do you do well to be angry like this? Do you do well to be offended like this? Do you do well to be bitter like this? Do you do well to be fearful like this? You know? And suddenly it wasn't that funny anymore. Because suddenly I could feel that, that God is actually standing in front of a bunch of Jonas, of which I'm one, and He's just kind of nailing this question into your heart and into your spirit. And He's looking at us and saying, listen, this thing that you hold on so much, do you do well by living this way? Is this really working? You almost miss your call, Jonah. You almost missed destiny because you're so angry and bitter and offended at these people. And then revival actually broke out because I needed a fish to swallow you to get you back in line. Thank you for your grace, God, right? Sometimes you need a bit of a storm just to pull you back into your destiny. Am I right? And then finally you get there and you actually see the breakthrough. But you're so angry that you can't rejoice at what God is doing. We often say things like, if, God, if, the, if the glory will just come invisibly or revival will come, we'll be fine. When I read this, I go, oops, maybe we won't be. Maybe you'll still look at us and say, do you do well to be so religious? Do you do well to put me in the box that you're putting me in? Right? And the more I look at this, all I'm seeing is, is there's a scripture. We, we're going to read it. Oh, there's a verse. That's so good. There's another verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. I want you to quickly jump over there if you don't mind. I'm reading the Amplified. You can read whatever you want as long as you read the Bible. Which translation is the best? The one you're reading, right? Because <laughs> the others doesn't matter. <laughs> all right? You're not reading them in any way. So just get one and read it, right? Anyway, all right, I feel better. I don't know about you. So 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6. We had people leave the church because of the translation I've used. Can you believe that? That's bizarre, don't you think? It's bizarre, but, but does it do you well? Paul writes about this thing, and, and it's mentioned a couple of times in Scripture. But Paul kind of speaks about some issues that he's facing in the Corinthian church. And he says the following. He says, for though we walk in the flesh... We are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons, right? Say amen to that. Say, thank you, Jesus, that I have spiritual weapons. Thank you, Jesus, that the earthly ones don't work. All right, good. Let's, we can move on. Do you do well? Yes, we do. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of the flesh and blood. It sounds like Ephesians 6, right? But they are mighty. Isn't that awesome? Listen, you've, you've got mighty weapons. Do you hear that? I, I need to tell that to you. It so aligns with Rayvon's word. You've got powerful, awesome, mighty weapons that is not of this earth. And when Goliath stands in front of you, you kind of go, do you come with me with sticks and 
You know, are you serious? I come to you in the name of the Lord. I've got an upgraded version of whatever you have. That's basically who we are, right? He says, we have mighty weapons uh, before God to overthrow strongholds and refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I want to park there for a minute. So Paul says, listen, I come to you guys and I notice there's a problem. There's this thing in your life called a stronghold. Jonah had one. His was anger and offense and unforgiveness. And he says, I see these strongholds in your life, and these things were raised up through your opinions, lofty arguments, ideas, knowledge, things that you build up in your own mind that goes against the knowledge of God, right? So a stronghold gets formed in our life where wrong ideas and concepts and your worldview get shaped out of this stronghold, this fortress, citadel, whatever you want to call it, that we build up and this thing starts dominating the whole way you look at the world. This stronghold, right? This becomes what shapes you. And the scary part is it's against the knowledge of God. And he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to the church, right? And you go, yeah, but it's not me. It's not possible. I'm so glad if it's not you. But this thing smashed me around a little bit. I went, okay, let me just look at this a little bit in my own life. Because why over and over in Scripture we see things like, therefore do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Why do you think is Jesus going over and over, Scripture is going over and over and challenging your thinking? Challenging the way you shape your world, saying, listen, you've got to walk by the truth. You've got to walk by the Spirit. Don't be conformed to this world. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. He's always raising the standard to a different reality so that your thinking can switch into that of Scripture because you've received the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, right? So all of these things, it's constantly going that there's this renewal of the heart. You get a new heart, not the heart of stone, but the heart of flesh. You get a new mind. You get new thinking. Why? Because you have to, strongholds needs to be broken down in your life. Because unless they break down, they become this fortress for lies to live in. And James uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 13 to 16, chapter 3, verse 13 to 16, it speaks of a wisdom from above and the wisdom that's from the earth. Have you ever read that? And he says, there's a wisdom from the earth. Uh, I'm just going to run through it quickly. There's a wisdom from the earth, and it is, um, it is earthly, right? So I just want you to pause for a moment. So there's knowledge, because every one of us, we're being fed knowledge every day. Whether you like that or not, if it's social media, if it's your friends, if it's TV, if it's whatever. But something is feeding you information every day. Every day, wisdom or knowledge is being fed or pushed into you from some source somewhere. 
So there's wisdom that comes, but it is, first of all, it's earthly. Okay. We go, oh, that's not that big a problem. There's some earthly knowledge. There's some heavenly knowledge. But there's a progression in this process, right? So first it's earthly. Then it says it's unspiritual. Oh, now we have a problem. It actually says in the King James, and if you look at the, you know, the Greek, that, that word unspiritual actually means animal-like or habitual. So it's the process, it's habit, habitual thinking processes that you start developing in your life, right? And it, I mean, you don't even know you're doing this. It's just a habit. You're just doing it every day, right? In the beginning, you realize, ah, oh, I shouldn't think this way. Then it becomes part of you. Now you're thinking this way every single day. It just keeps on creating. It's like molding over your mind, your spirit, and as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. This could be really awesome, right? Or it could be really bad, especially if it's the wisdom from the earth. But if it's the wisdom from above, oh my goodness, you're a free man. But if it's not, we have a problem, right? Because then the next part comes and it says it is devilish or demonical. Because what happened? The thinking pattern created this nice fortress for the demonic to hide in, right? So it becomes this breeding ground where our thinking becomes, it, 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 it's like it submits under a different spirit, under a different force, and that's what you don't want. And sometimes we go, I don't know what your stance is on these things. I've heard people say that Christians can't have demons, and I think, <laughs> that's funny, but Anyway, you believe what you want to believe. I'm just going to tell you what I've seen, because you can. But the issue for me is not as much the demon. The issue for me is the fortress, because the fortress shapes everything. That becomes the breeding space for this thing. And what happens when a stronghold forms in your life, the problem is, that when you have a stronghold, I have a story that's going to help you a little bit. I was trying to think of a good example. We, we have our youngest, her name is Abby. She's in foster care with us. So really cute little thing. But she's only learned, she started speaking Afrikaans in August. You know, she, so, I mean, she's three years old. So her world is upside down a little bit. She's doing great, but, you know, she's behind on some things. Although she's catching up with uh, amazing speed, to which we're grateful. So the other morning, my, my, you know, the kids are watching a TV show just before school or in the holiday, something, I don't know, and there's some sheep on the TV, and Abby doesn't like TV, so she runs around to Marie's, she's sitting and, uh, you know, just reading or doing some Bible study, and Abby runs around and she goes, Mama, Mama, look, there's sheep uh, on the TV, and my wife is like, oh, yeah, you know, sheep, and she's like, all cute, and she starts singing the song about sheep, which I won't do. I've tried to sing in a church once, and they immediately stopped me and said, please don't ever do that again, and my wife has confirmed. So um, anyway, so, so my wife sings this song and, and, and about the sheep, very cute little sheep song and, and all of that, and Abby's like this cute little thing, and she just watches my wife with these big eyes and just impressed, and uh, Maurice finishes the song, and the next minute, Abby just looks at her, and she goes, moo. <laughs> and... <laughs> Okay, now that's a weird example, but it's a good one, right? I'm going to show you now. What a stronghold does is literally we're all talking sheep, and all you're hearing is cattle. <laughs> we're talking sheep, and all you can hear is moo. So I'm talking this, 
and you're absolutely unable to hear what I say because the stronghold has formed a way of thinking in your life, a lofty opinion, an argument that goes against the knowledge of God. So you cannot hear me, even though you think you are. But your stronghold is speaking, right? This habitual thinking in your life is speaking, and it's against the knowledge of God. This stuff breaks up marriages. This will break up relationship with your children. This will ruin your workspace. If this thing is strong in your life and you don't deal with it, and I'm serious, that's why I believe lots of people go through counseling, go through deliverance, and they get delivered, but a month or two or three from now, they come back with the same issue. Why? Because they never dealt with the stronghold. They never broke that thing down. Strongholds cannot be cast out. They are destroyed through truth. The lie needs to be replaced with the truth because the opposite is also truth, true of James chapter 3, verse 13, 14, 15, and 16, where it says that, but heavenly wisdom, when that comes, it is of heavenly nature, it becomes habitual, and now it becomes a resting place for the Spirit of God. That's what you want. But we oppose the knowledge of God with our opinions, and we love our opinions. I know you don't, but, but some of the people I know do, and we love our opinions. But I don't really need your opinion. I need the truth. I don't need your stronghold speaking to me. I really need to hear what God is saying on this, right? And these things sit there and they destroy us. What they create in your life is they create patterns. Some of you, and maybe I'm speaking to the wrong crowd, and I'll be so happy if that's true. Um, it creates negative patterns or cycles in your life. Some of you might have noticed that every six months, it's like every six months this thing happens. It just keeps happening over and over. Every six months, the, the, you know, it's like the... Bottom falls out. But, but things just go wrong in your life. Every six months, there's this crash at work, with, in your family, it's like, and it's the same thing over and over that just triggers this. It's like everything goes down and quiet for a while, and then six months, every six months, boom, this thing stands up, and it's a storm. The storm just rages through your house, and you're like, what just happened, or through your business? And it's like, I thought we spoke about this. Yeah, but we didn't. Does it do you well? <laughs> Do you do well to be in this shape, in this position? Because that's a stronghold. He had a stronghold, right? Where God's nature and his idea of what God should do was completely in opposite spheres. I mean, they weren't even on the same page. We do that with relationships. We do that in the workspace. And we do that with the things of the Spirit of God. Where we oppose the move of the Spirit because our stronghold told us this is not right. Because we have a view of the nature of God. And, oh my goodness, God, you can move like this, but if it's out of this little box, it's definitely not you. It's like Nineveh. I know you're merciful. I know you're gracious. I know you're kind, but you're not that kind, God. Can you really be that kind? 
I know you can do whatever you want. You can move in power. You can move into this church building next week, Sunday, this Sunday. All can be on the floor. Clouds of glory can come in. Angels can manifest in the, phys- in, in, the, you know, in the natural. The four living creatures around the throne can manifest in this place. I know you can do it, but, but you won't. Would you? Because our stronghold told us, no, 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 no. That's not possible. Because we've built up this opinion against the knowledge of God. So cycles is a problem. But if you have these recurring cycles in your life, it creates false identity. That stronghold actually becomes your identity, and that's scary. To all of us, I'm like, oh my goodness. What I think about myself actually gets formed out of this thing unless I deal with it. I can preach identity until you're blue in the face, but unless you deal with that thing, I'm sorry, it's not coming down. Unless you get back to that place, you're going to struggle. Identity is going to be shaped by this thing. I can tell you you're the best at what you do, and you're awesome, and the whole church can see it. Everybody around you can see it, but you'll go after that long, inspiring speech that I just gave you, and you'll look me right in the eye, doesn't matter who you are, and you'll go, It's not true. I know, Hank, but. Man, you're so amazing at this. This is your call. This is your gift. You should really be doing this. Yeah, I know, but. And everybody around you is telling you this is who you are, and you go, "Mm mm-mm. All of you, you're wrong. (laughs) By the way, if you keep hopping from job to job, and the same stuff keeps happening over and over, it might be that you're the issue, right? <laughs> just, just a side note. It might be that you're the problem. I know we want everybody to change around us, but maybe it's you. I don't know. Just, there's a common denominator in there, and it seems like it's you. <laughs> That's a stronghold, by the way. It's a stronghold. You need to deal with that thing, whatever is causing it, right? We need to break through this stuff. It becomes a filter through which we um, see life and experience life versus the Word. And I, the best example of a stronghold, and this is usually what I see with people who do have strongholds, and I've, I've had to work with this stuff as well, and maybe I have one now. I need to work on that as well. But what I usually see with people with stronghold is that they would come with an issue, and I would give them Scripture as an answer, and they would go, yeah, I know it's in there. I know that's true. Yeah, but... If I hear the but after we've spoken through Scripture on an issue and you give me but, then I'm like, we've, we've got a serious problem. I don't actually know how to communicate with you as a believer now. Because the thing that we all say is the truth, you've just thrown it out of the window. Yeah, but it's not. You have to forgive. Yeah, but Brother Hank, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know. No, but I mean, you have to forgive. Otherwise, what happens? No, no, no. I know, but... No, no, you have to forgive. Otherwise, Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 34, if you don't forgive, I'm going to give you over to the tormentors. <laughs> That's a fun scripture, <laughs> right? You don't want to forgive, so there you go, off you go. The tormentors, they are waiting for you on that side. I don't know who they are, but they sound like a bunch of fun guys, right? You just want to hang out with them. Life is really rosy around them, right? Yeah, brother Hank, but I don't get you. You just lost me. You just lost me. You're a believer, and we're not talking theological differences. We're talking anger, unbelief, offense, bitterness. This isn't difficult. 
right? And you just went, but, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. Do you understand how often we justify ourselves out of our stronghold to live a way that's actually opposed to the Word? That's, that's what a stronghold does. It justifies your bitterness or your unforgiveness or your anger. And this is, it's a problem, right? When, when a stronghold sets in your life, you struggle to hear from God and people. Like I said, it's like you're unable to hear. You, you can't, you hear, but you don't hear, right? It creates tribalism. And what I mean with that, it, it, it's like, I love people who think like me, talk like me, and don't disagree with me. You're awesome. But if you disagree with me, you're not part of my tribe. Find a different one. Some can call it denominationalism as well. So this tribalism thing forms in your life where everybody, all your friends, they look like you, they taste like you, and they smell like you. They talk like you, they agree like you. And boy, oh boy, don't ever disagree, because if you do, oh, the tribe has spoken. <laughs> Off you go. The stronghold has just agreed that you don't belong here. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, I'm trying to make this fun so that we all feel better, okay? Are you, are you, just remember, before I shared it with you, God shared it with me. That sucked. <laughs> all of this, not almost all strongholds are created out of pride. It's lofty opinions, loftiness. It's pride. It's arguments that goes against the knowledge of God. I want you to think about that because pride has got these, to stick with two sides. You've probably heard that before, but the one side of pride is the obvious one. It's the arrogance. It's a, I don't need to listen to you because I'm better than you kind of a attitude. You understand? Like, I'm spiritually more, you know, enlightened than you are. I've got greater experiences. I mean, I've seen an angel. Have you? No, Kevin, don't talk to me. You know, that kind of a thing, right? Pride. So that's just pride, or I'm richer than you, so stuff you, you know, basically that's whatever it might be that creates the pride inside of your life, but that's the one side of it. The other side of it is, is the self-pity, the, the, the false humility side, which is pride as well. And what that one does is, listen, God says this, oh no, it can't be true because it's too good to be true. God says you're royal, you're a priesthood, you're a chosen generation to display the manifest mercy and the glory of God to all of creation. God says that about you. I, know, I, don't, I don't know about that. You're a son of God. Yeah, but I don't know if miracles, that's not for me. No, the power is not for me. The same spirit that, I'm sorry, did we miss each other here? Do you see how that's pride as well? Because what is pride? Pride is disagreeing with the highest authority in the room. Whether that being exalting myself above it, or lowering my life under the standard of His truth. It's the same thing. It's pride. And pride creates these arguments, lofty ideas and opinions inside of your life. And your pride often will back up that opinion because if I don't back it up with my actions, then it means I'm wrong. And even forbid I have to say I was wrong. Even if I'm the worm type or the, I don't know, the rooster arrogant type. I don't know which one. Both is a problem. Do you understand? Because now suddenly I have to admit that I was wrong, and I, we can't do that. Because pride is speaking. The stronghold is saying, nobody, don't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to look weak. Can't do that. 
right? So, but, so pride is at the root of this thing, it's pride. Pride sits there. You say, but I'm not prideful. I'm a soft, humble person. I know. I know soft, humble people, but they're full of pride. You cannot move them. You'll never move them because they've decided this is the way. And I, I'm so glad if your way is right, then, then this is not for you. But if your way is creating a pattern that is not bringing victory and the freedom of the gospel in your life, maybe you should look at this. Maybe God is putting his finger on something today. Maybe he's trying to tell you something. You know, we, we all love that scripture, Zechariah 2, verse, I think it's verse 5. You know, we love that scripture where God says, I'm going to be the wall of fire around you, remember? And my glory will rest on the inside of you. It's awesome, isn't it? And we pray it and we preach it and, I pre and it's so good. But you need to read the first couple of verses building up to that. You know how it begins? It begins by saying, Jerusalem, you will be a city without walls. And then, I will come and I will be a fire around you. And my glory will rest on the inside of you. That means your defenses are broken down. That means you're vulnerable, no stronghold, right? No stronghold. The question you need to ask is, how do I get through this situation, this predicament that we might, I don't know if it's me, this predicament that we find ourselves in, right? Or could, maybe it's not you, and that's great. First of all, pray. And I would really suggest that, and we're going to do that at the end, but ask him if there is a stronghold in your life. If there's not one, Praise God and please move on. Don't be weird and feel you need to have one, right? Otherwise, you're not, not. No, it's fine. If you don't have one, praise God. Move on. Yay, right? Don't be, get weird about this stuff, right? Because I hate when people start feeling now there has to be something wrong with me because we heard something new. No, it's okay if it's not, there's nothing wrong with you. Yay. And I really mean it. I celebrate it with you. But if he shows you that you do have one, then you need to start working on it, right? Because the stronghold will keep you from your promised land. There was this group of guys walking through the wilderness, remember, 40 years or so about. There's this massive promise right in front of them. But then when they finally get there, there's these big walls around this place. Because this place was a stronghold called Jericho. So your promise needs some breaking through, right? And you're walking around these walls and nothing's happening. Then you need a plan, right? What would be the obvious plan if you're Joshua? The warrior, we're going we're gonna to just draw the sword, we're going to run in there, we're going to chop their heads off. This is easy, right? If you're Joshua. And God goes, no, Joshua, Joe, I have a great idea, man. This is what we're going to do. Get everybody, everybody. Get them around, right? Get some trumpets. And for seven days, for six days, every day, you're going to walk around that city. You're not allowed to say a word. I don't want you to say a single word. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. You're going to blow the trumpets, and the walls are going to come down. And the people went, what? Like, Joe, no, we loved Moses, but man, well, I don't know what you're doing. This is a bit bizarre, right? <laughs> you want us to do what? I've got a better idea, Joshua. Tell God, what about if we do this? We just get some of those caterpillar things. We put some big rocks in there, and this is the way we go. Joshua's like, no, God didn't say that. Why? Because how do you break down a stronghold? Obedience. Truth is one thing. Anointed truth will, break, will open it up, will make you see. 
but then obedience to the truth is what breaks the wall. It's not arguing with that opinion, not, not, not letting your opinion talk you out of obedience to the word that God has given you, right? Because it's amazing how God said, I don't want them to speak, Joshua, because you can imagine the guys walking around that city, what they were thinking. Saying, what? We could have, there's a lot of things I could have been doing right now. We're missing the Manchester game, man. Right? And we're just walking. We're not allowed to talk because God knew if they talk, they're going to mess it up, right? But obedience is what brought the wall down, what's broke the stronghold down. Not an earthly idea, not wisdom from this world, not the strength of man or your talent or your gifting, but obedience to the most weird and bizarre word that God gives you, like, buddy, you need to forgive them. Yeah, but God, you don't know. No, 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 you don't know. You need to forgive them. You need to stop being angry. No, but God, no, 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 you don't know. Listen to me, I love you. Stop this. It's killing you. The tormentors are coming. <laughs> Think about it. We're, we're in Hermanus, right? I'm preaching there. I was really preaching her. I can't help it's Hermanus, right? Don't blame me, okay? So we're preaching in Hermanus. This lady comes. She's wearing gloves, like these long white gloves. It's a hot day. She comes in, but she's a mess. Boy, we, we look at her and we're seeing this is not good, right? No joke, she comes up. We can actually see the tormentors around her. This is rough. She comes, she's crying, she's weeping. I mean, she's a mess. She just stands where my wife is next to me. She says, I've got eczema. It's so bad that the blood is starting to come out of her skin. Like the doctors don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. It's a mess. I mean, sorry for being graphic, but they're actually, the husband started putting urine on her just to bring ease because that's one of the things. Which you, and this is a mess, right? It's just the flakes of skin is coming off. It's horrible. So we start talking to her. I'm like, and my wife just grabs her, and, and my wife just starts crying. She says, listen, who are you angry with, right? And she goes, I'm so angry at them. I'm so angry at this. And then she just has this list of people. And we just start weeping. My wife, look at her, and she's like, you're being tormented, honey. <laughs> Do you see it? The tormentors. This is what you're getting now. You need to forgive them. Right? And she's like, angry. But, but. No, I, I, I get it, but, but. Look at you. Your skin is literally falling off. This is rough. Everything's falling apart. And she, she just starts weeping, and she says, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm just so tired of living this way. And like, I know, the torment, the stronghold, it sucks. And she, just, and she starts repenting one after the She just repents. It's just tear, ugly cry. That's not pretty, ugly cry. Then I get a message a week later. Four days later, her skin is completely healed, completely healed. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome, right? But there's a reality there. Do you understand? You have to break the stuff down. You have to. And this is not a laying on of hands thing. I wish it was. I wish I could just knock the fire out of you and, and it could be right and we all move on. But it's not. This is where you need to go and say, what does the word say, Lord? And every time that voice goes, but, you need to say, shut up in Jesus' name. Sorry. This is what the Word says. Yeah, but, no, no, no. This is what the Word says. And you break it down with this weapon 
that is called the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit, and you break it down. That's what Paul did. That's what Paul did. And here's the awesome part. If you can do that, I think it's Proverbs 21. It says, a wise warrior, in, in the Passion Translation, I'm not going to tell you where it is because I'm going to lie. I don't want to do that. But it's in Proverbs. It says, a wise warrior ascends into the heavenly realm, right? And he breaks down regional strongholds. Isn't that awesome? That's what you become. You become one that breaks down the stronghold. That's Zechariah 9, uh, Zechariah chapter 12, where it says, Return to your stronghold, O you prisoner of hope. That's who you are. Your stronghold is hope. <laughs> your stronghold is love and joy and freedom and deliverance. Your stronghold is the promise of God. That's the one you want. You don't want this other stuff. Right? Return, O prisoner, to your stronghold. Prisoner of hope. Isn't that awesome? That's a good prison to be in. <laughs> That's a good place to be in right there. But we need to be militant in our lives to say, God, we refuse this thing. And we say no. Right? Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.